Greetings, my friend, and welcome to Beyond Curious, conversations with brave adventurers like yourself that are taking voyages into the unknown to satisfy their curiosity, fulfill their purpose, and bring their ideas to life. I'm Brandon Fong, and I'm beyond excited to introduce you to today's guest, Jude Charles. The point that I'm making is that these there are the same way that there are different lessons to one story, there are different stories to one lesson. In this episode, you are going to learn so much as always, and I'm so excited for you to meet Jude because he's becoming a fast and amazing friend, and we I can't wait to continue the conversation with him because he's just an epic human. But look out for these three specific things. Number one, why Jude doesn't believe in story formulas. This is definitely contrary, and I've had many amazing storytellers that have come on the show, and I love studying their story formulas, so it's kind of interesting that Jude is an amazing storyteller, and he doesn't believe in story formulas. So, that's thing number one. Thing number two, what is the police life of Jude Charles, and what did Mrs. Donnelly have to do with changing his life? Look out for those two, those two things. And then, for thing number three, my favorite actionable takeaway from this entire episode is the concept of the story bank. I have heard about this before, but Jude tells it in a really amazing way. So you're probably wondering, well, this guy seems like he has some storytelling stuff and you'd be right because for over 15 years, Jude Charles has been producing documentaries for entrepreneurs. He has produced stories for Google, Steve Harvey, and dozens of visionary CEOs. Jude is the author of Dramatic Demonstration. This book is a roadmap that teaches you how to dig deep to find compelling stories that no one else knows and then leverage those stories to grow your business. Guys, I said before, Jude is an amazing human. We have massive overlap between our core values of curiosity and storytelling and deep connection. And so I'm just super excited to have you listen to this conversation. And also next week, I'm actually bringing Jude back because it was such a good conversation and we only got through like a teeny, teeny little bit of my notes. So this is part one of an incredible conversation with Jude. So without any further ado, here is my incredible conversation. Part one with Jude Charles. Mr. Jude Charles, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here, my friend. Brandon, thank you for having me, man. It's it's a it's a long time coming. We've known each other for a while, but looking forward to this experience and this conversation today. Absolutely. As I was just saying before we hit record, anytime I get the chance to learn from a Jedi master in the art of storytelling, and it was just every single time I do one of these, it's an excuse to go deep dive into someone's world. So like watching the documentaries you created and reading your book, I'm just super excited to share this with everyone. I was, I always try to find a story to start with that I think really would kick things off. And the the one that I, that I landed on that I would actually love to start with is about a book you wrote, but not the book that you recently published. I want to talk about the police life of Jude Charles. So talk to me a little bit about that and what was going on when you wrote that book. Yeah, so growing up, I ironically wanted to be a police officer. I um, I love the adrenaline rush of being a police officer. And it was always in my mind that that would be it. And so I wrote a book uh, called The Police Life of Jude Charles. And it was not me as a young kid, but me 20 years from now being a police officer. So I wrote it for context. People don't know this. You know this. But I, I wrote the book when I was between 8 and 10 years old. So I was looking at, okay, if I'm 30 years old, what would it be? What would life be like if I'm a police officer? Now, the funny thing about all of that is, is in the end of that book, I end up becoming sheriff of the county that I live in. 
that never happened. None of that ever happened. I never became a police officer. Um, but I do see myself as a detective, a detective of stories, a detective of, of getting deep into people's lives to understand their motivations and why they do things and, and how they do them in order to bring that and show that, show the evidence, the truth of who they are to other people. So yeah, it's, it's not exactly what I ended up doing, but it's close enough. <laughs> well, I, so I want to explore this a little bit because I saw that you dedicated the book to your father, Joycius, who yes. was, played a very, very beautiful role in your life. And it sounded like you and your dad spent a lot of time watching those true crime kind of stuff. So maybe, maybe share a little bit about that and that inspiration and how that's had on your storytelling world. Yeah. So we used to watch uh Nash Bridges. If you're old enough to remember Nash Bridges, <laughs> uh, NYPD Blue, uh, a lot of crime TV shows. And it was, honestly, it was for my, so my dad worked seven days a week. He was a construction worker Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, he was a private driver before the days of Uber and all of that, right? And so for him, it was just his time to relax and I wanted to spend time with him. And so we got a chance to watch it, but I always, the action was always fun. As a kid, as a, as a little boy, it's always fun to watch that. But it was always interesting how they weaved and found out information little by little, and then they revealed it to the audience. And like, that was always fun to watch too. And that's why I think if I would have became an officer, I would have leaned more towards being a detective. But ironically, Brandon, I still watch, like one of my favorite shows of all time today is Chicago PD. And I still watch that show and it's a, it's a bunch of detectives figuring out a bunch of different crimes, but it's, it's fun. It's, it's what I've gotten from my childhood and I carry it with me today. Yeah. Yeah. But you are definitely a detective. You just don't have a badge on you. You're doing it in a different way you're doing it in a different medium. But I think it's always really interesting to see those early seeds of genius as a kid, yeah. you know, like you, you, yeah. you nailed it. I don't know. Obviously you didn't become a sheriff, but I think what attracted you to that world is still 1 million percent present in the work that you're doing today. And I know uh, another thing that you and I share in common is curiosity, right? Like that was something that super, super curious and seeing how all the threads fit together and exploring and all that good stuff. So I love that. So, so let's actually, let's fast forward a little bit. Um, it's May 4th, 2006. What happens? <laughs> May 4th, 2006, I'm sitting in a TV production classroom and my teacher, Mrs. Donnelly, she's a TV production teacher. She taught me everything she knew about video production. And she looks at me and she says, Jude, you're very talented at video production. You should start a business. Now, I've already mentioned my father is a construction worker. My mom works at a chair factory. I'm the youngest of 10 children. None of my siblings are entrepreneurs. And so when she says this to me, I'm like, okay, how, what does that even mean to be an entrepreneur? What does that mean to start a business? Well, Mrs. Donnelly did not let me say no, because the following day she came into the classroom, she handed me a yellow envelope and I'm like, what is this? She said, look inside. And I look inside of this yellow envelope and it is my very first set of business cards, which I actually still have to this day. It sits on my desk to this day. Um, but yeah, that's that's what, so that happened May fifth, two thousand six, and it has been seventeen years since that day. Wow! That I have been running a video production company simply because a teacher believed in me, right? And and because I was curious curious enough and naive enough to think that all I needed was business cards to start a business. I was like, I'm gonna give it a go. Yeah, 
was, it was pretty much the same as if she had in your mind as if she had incorporated it for you. Like that was a done deal. You're, you're an entrepreneur right there. Your certificate, your business cards. I like, what do you think she saw in you, Jude? And like, and like, I, like maybe if you could paint the picture a little bit more too, cause it's like, I would assume if she got those business cards printed the next day, right? Like she probably was like, no, Jude's not listening to me right now. I need to like, make sure this guy listens. So I'm going to go out of my way. I'm going to find a Kinko's. I'm going to come up with this and I'm going to give this to him. So like normal teachers don't do that kind of stuff. Like what, what do you think she saw in you or what was that genius that she wanted you to capitalize on that really made her go above and beyond to make sure that you were paying attention? Yeah, so at the beginning of the class, she, for every class that she has, she actually gives a survey. And she says, that one of the questions I remember, there were a bunch of questions, but there was one specifically, do you want to do this after high school? And I knew for sure I wanted to be in broadcast. And so I answered yes. And when she saw it as she was going through the survey, she asked me, she asked me to, to her desk and she was like, are you serious about this? Like, you really want to get into broadcast? And I was like, yes. And so that was the only reason she taught me everything she knew. But I think what she saw was a hungry kid that was willing to be a sponge. Like anything and everything that she taught me. So it was, it was not just the visuals, but the audio, how to put a story together. Um, at that time, it was called like how to put a package together, because that's what it's called in broadcast world, how to put a package together in two to three minutes so that people are interested in the story. All it, How to write a story, all those things she taught me. And I just I took it in. There was never a moment I said no. There were sometimes I even stayed after school to um, learn more. And it was for me, it was just here's this thing that I I'm, I feel like I'm good at. I don't know where it'll take me in college or like where it'll take me in my career, but I know I want to do it. Let me be a sponge and learn all about it. And I think it was all of that that she saw. But then I think it was to some degree that I don't think I understood back then. It was uh, a level of leadership, a level of drive to not just take what she had taught me, but then to implement it to the next story that came along. Cause we did stories like based around our school. Like there was one time the AC went out and we had to do a package based, it went out in a specific building and they had to move people out of that building into another building. And we just did a story on it because we did the morning announcements. We told the stories of what was going on around the school. And it's things like that, that I went after. I was just like, no, we need to tell this story. We need to show people like what's going on and how everybody's being pushed. Everybody that's in this building, at least, are being pushed into the gym. And it's like classes can't continue. So mm -hmm. I think it was all those things. Like it was the drive. It was the leadership. It was being a sponge, just truly being a student of the craft. She was like, no, this kid has more in him and I need him to see that. Yeah, man, that's so beautiful. And I think like just a ridiculously positive takeaway already from that story that it doesn't take much to change someone's life, right? Like, like she, she, I mean, what did those business cards cost? Maybe 20 bucks. Right. But like the fact that she went out of her way to do that, it was just what you needed to like really leapfrog you into the world that you've ended up today. So I think that lots of times we make transformation, like so complicated, but like what I've learned through going through your, your work, it's like, it, it can be really simple. It's in those small moments. It's in those small gestures. It's in that noticing it's in that seeing something in someone that they don't see in themselves and then allowing that to express and show in the world. And it's so funny as you're talking, I, I don't think I ever shared this on the show, but uh, I, I used to love, I don't know if you know, Lewis Sacker, he wrote Holes, obviously. Um, I think I think it's him, but he wrote the sideways stories of Wayside School. Um, and, and it was basically each chapter was a kid's book. Each chapter was about 
a student in the classroom. And so I, in, in, I was probably around the same time age, you were writing the police life of Jude Charles. And I wrote a chapter on each of my classmates and I, I, that was my creative thing. And so it's really cool that, you know, maybe my life would be slightly different if my teacher had kind of said something more about that. But the fact that she did that was really cool. And so let, let's, let's fast forward a little bit more because, because obviously we, we I want to go into all your storytelling magic, but one of the things that you talk about in your book is the importance of communicating from your why. Um, and I think that as I've gone deep into your stuff, it's it's cool to see how your why has continued to refine and evolve uh, a little bit over time. And so there's another story I thought would just, and, and, and I think we'll be able to like unpack all this stuff too, because there's so much gold in, in the stories, but Spokane, Washington, talk to us a little bit about what happened, why you were there and that whole experience for you. July 2014, I go to Spokane, Washington. I'm about 25 years old at the time. And I go to Spokane, Washington because uh, leadership has always been important to me. And I understood that. And I was going to a leadership conference, three-day leadership conference, Spokane, Washington, my very first time there. And I, on my way back, because I knew this was like such a monumental moment in my life, I had this crazy idea that I would take a Greyhound bus from Spokane, Washington, back home. <laughs> and back home for me is uh, Pompano Beach, Florida. Now, the only reason I had this crazy idea, Brandon, is because Washington State is the furthest northwest point of America. Florida is the furthest southeast point of America. And I'm like, this will never happen again. I'm 25. What do I have to lose? I want to take this, this three-day trip in because I've been to conferences before, so I know what it's like to like get all this information, but then you don't get a chance to download it. I take this Greyhound bus, Brandon, and it was literally the dumbest idea I've ever had because I was miserable <laughs> the entire time. Miserable. There's a lot of weird people on Greyhound bus, especially at the towns that we're traveling through. But I had my phone off the entire time. But by day two, we get to Chicago, Illinois, and I turn back on my phone. And I get this text message from my sister. And it says, call me back, it's urgent. Now, I brace myself because at this point, July 2014, uh, my mother in earlier year, early part of the year, she had uh, suffered from depression and attempted suicide. My father in March of that year had been diagnosed with prostate cancer. So I knew it was either mom or dad. I call my sister. She tells me they found my dad unresponsive in the home. And I know what it means because they won't tell me because I'm on the road, but I know that it means that my father's passed away. So I take the first flight back home. I land at Fort Lauderdale Airport. My brother, James, comes to pick me up with his daughter, my niece, Ayana. I hug my brother, I don't say a word. I hug my niece and I don't say a word. But I sit in the back seat with my niece, Ayana. I'm staring out the window because I'm the youngest of 10, 25 years old, but I never imagined I would lose my father at such an early age. It's about 30, 40 minutes. I'm staring out this window and Ayana looks to me. She says, uncle, why did grandpa have to die? And I just stared at her because Ayana is nine years old and I have no idea how to answer a nine-year-old about death and her for the very first time losing an important family member. She says it again, though. Why did grandpa have to die? That question rang in my ear as we're uh, making funeral arrangements, uh, get to my father's house, deciding to do with the, his assets and things that he has. And I'll never forget, Brandon, August, 
2014, I, Jude Charles, the youngest of 10 children, am asked to give my father's eulogy. Mm. And it's in that moment that I realized it's not just leadership is important. It's being able to lead through difficult moments, leading others through difficult moments. And it's what crystallized over the years for me, my mission to be able to lead and empower entrepreneurs to have relentless courage. We can unpack that. Those words are important to lead and empower. Relentless courage is important. And we can unpack all of that. But it was that moment between traveling from Spokane to Florida, but August 9th, 2014, being able to give my father's eulogy. Such a powerful story and so much to unpack. And thank you for, for sharing. I know we talked about your dad in the, in, the, in the beginning of the impact that he made on your life. And so it must have been this really strange dichotomy, but a gift at the same time to like receive that of the passing of someone that was super important for you. So I can imagine the hot fudge Sunday that came with that experience and that, that story. Right. And I'm, I'm really tempted to ask this cause I'm just really curious. You've said multiple times, the youngest of 10. And so like, well, I, I'm, I'm just curious to dive here before we go into some of the storytelling stuff. Like, do you feel like as the youngest, you I would assume you probably felt like you never had the voice because you were the youngest. There's probably a huge age gap between yourself and the oldest. So you probably had this narrative or experience growing up of like actually not being able to say much or not being able to feel heard. So like, what did that, you shared it was impactful, but like really what, what was that like when you had the opportunity to be the youngest of 10, the one that was never heard, but the one that's actually giving the eulogy, like unpack that a little bit. You're spot on on the fact that there is a huge age gap and that I didn't have a voice. So the, the oldest uh, sister, my, the oldest sibling is 19 years older than me. So there's this 19 year gap between her and me, right? Um, when I got asked to, to do the eulogy, I honestly didn't believe like they were really going to allow me to do it. But there was something they saw in me that I didn't even see in myself. And like, and that's why I said it's it's the specificity of leading through difficult moments. I've always been level-headed. I've always been an even kill person, right? But to get that question and then to not only have a voice, having a voice is one thing. I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have the ability, like no one listened to me. I'm the youngest. No one listened to me. But to not only be asked to give the eulogy, but to to share my father's story. I think it's it's you're spot on about one more thing that you mentioned, which is yes, it is that it is it felt like a hot fudge Sunday because I've said this before to other people, to friends, I would have never figured out my purpose had my father not passed away. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to say in the same sentence because obviously I don't I didn't want to lose my dad, but I do want to find my purpose. And so it's like, how do you do that? And and then to have a voice to finally, like this is the first time. 25 that I'm given a voice it is permission given and not just permission given to like stand in front of my 10 siblings you're talking about an audience of people to share right so yeah it is I don't know that it is I don't know words to put around that other than there is moments in time you are asked to show up that can be difficult and uncomfortable 
But because you understand your gift and your calling and you understand why people are asking you to do something or it's your responsibility, what may seem difficult to you or others is no longer difficult. And that's the best way that I think I can put it. But yeah, I think I'm led by purpose. I'm led by my why. You, you, you talked about that. In everything I do, I start with why. The, the reason I sit here today with you to have this conversation is part of my why. Hmm. Because I always look at it as, it's not necessarily, will your audience take anything away from this? Will Brandon? Will the conversation I have with Brandon today change him in a way that gives him more courage? Hmm. And so I do everything through purpose. And I think that's that's just how I've always viewed it. Even, even losing my dad at, at 25, it's been eight, nine, going on nine years now. Um, it, I still look at it as purpose. Yeah. I got uh, some full body chills, which to me is an indication that something powerful was just said. And I, I mean, you know, we just talked and, you know, you're somebody that loves to go deep. So the first words that came out of your mouth before we hopped on was like, last time we talked, you were about to get married. And, 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 you know, you had shared being at 25, like one of the first things running through your head was the fact that like your dad wouldn't be able to be there for those moments. Right. But like, I don't know, in some ways he gave you like the ultimate gift. Like, even though he wasn't be able to be there for those things, like what greater gift could you give someone that insight into their life purpose? I think that's one of the most beautiful things that he could have done for you, which, yeah. So that, that's so cool. And I love that we've opened with all of these stories because I think in in many ways we can begin to kind of like unpack the the magic because I'm sure anyone listening as I was like I was hanging at the edge of my seat even though I'm standing right now if I had a seat I would I'd be at the edge of it and I, just hanging on to every word and there's so much magic that happened but I think one of the 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 biggest lines that you repeat in your book over and over and over again is probably a great way great place to start. You talk about how hearing something said 1000 times is not as powerful as seeing it once. And as I was hearing you share those stories, everybody kind of has that movie reel running through your head. They saw you sitting in the back of a bus with your 9-year-old niece asking why did grandpa have to die? They 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 pictured you in a filthy bus stop with crazy people inside of greyhounds i've experienced that multiple times so i know exactly what that's like and everybody has everybody has that comment in their head is like oh i know what that's like i know what that's like right so you 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 gave us this movie to experience this so i would love for you to maybe just share that a little bit because i think that's a really really powerful concept about demonstrating uh and and being able to show that to someone is not as powerful as just saying it a story is a recounting of a very specific moment in time that is the most important definition to understand about story. Story, the storytelling, has become a buzzword over the years. But if you remember that a story is about a very specific moment in time, we are all storytellers because we all share about very specific moments in time. We started this podcast um, sharing stories about that, whether it was Mrs. Donnelly handing me the yellow envelope. I'm, getting you, I'm giving you very specific details about this moment in time so that you can picture it, so that you can see it, even though you weren't there. Because also a story, when you recount a very specific moment in time, you're taking someone on a journey, a journey, and you're bringing them into your world. And so, yeah, I I don't know why I've always been fascinated by storytelling, but I knew like when I was writing books as an eight-year-old kid, I envisioned what my future life would look like. And all of it was just stories, stories that I had made up, but stories nonetheless. And so, yeah, hearing something said 1,000 times 
That's one part of it. That's the telling of the story. But the showing of the story is also incredibly important. And there are words, visual words that you can use to create a theater in the mind. You talked to, you called it a movie reel, but yeah, it's, it's creating a theater in the mind. You're creating this movie in this person's mind. Now I happen to run a video production company. So I also believe in showing versus telling, but there are, there's still the ability to, when you tell a story, you tell it in the right way, you bring someone into your world and they feel like when I tell you I'm sitting in the back seat with my niece, Ayana, you feel like you're sitting back there with me. Mm-hmm. And you hear her asking this question, why did grandpa have to die? Mm-hmm. You're experiencing it in the same way, which is why, like you mentioned, you're sitting on the edge of your seat. But that's what a story, that's what a story is, and that's what it does for you. The story is a recounting of a very specific moment in time, and then it takes you on a journey. A journey that brings you into this person's world so that you understand them better. You're able to connect with them in a deep way. I happen to help entrepreneurs do that, but truthfully, even if you're not an entrepreneur, we are all storytellers. It's just a matter of being, of having the courage to tell your story. I think mastery is when you're able to explain something and it's simplicity, right? And so the fact that you just boil down story as just a specific moment in time, and this is, I, I, I love to expand on that specifically because I told you how passionate I am about storytelling. I've studied storytelling in many different formats, but one of the things that I thought was so cool about your approach and it's contrarian, a hundred is hundred percent contrarian is that I saw something about, uh, you don't buy the hero's journey. And I think that norm almost, mm, I'll have to maybe go through the back through my brain. Almost every single story expert I talked about breaks apart their six part story framework or the, this is the, this is what happens at the beginning. This is what happens in the middle, but um, you don't agree with that. So I would love for you to maybe share a little bit more on why you don't take a formulaic approach with your stories. Life isn't a formula. Uh, Life isn't a formula. And I believe that when we attempt to tell stories in a very specific formula, we leave out the human part of it. Joseph Campbell, who is the originator of the hero's journey, and he also wrote a book called A Hero with a Thousand Faces, what he was going after, and he did it brilliantly, is going after giving this idea of that we hear all these stories, but they follow the same structure. Um, to some degree, they do. But I also believe like when we're telling stories, they're just... There's certain stories that you hear, like you hear from your grandparents or your parents, that although there may be these moments that, like in the hero's journey, your moment you meet a guide, um, that take that that you go on a journey to solve a problem, and then you meet this guide, and this guide is the person that helps you solve the problem. Although that kind of happens, it doesn't always, right? Like, if we're thinking about a story that I told with my father. Technically, my father's the guide, but that wouldn't make sense if I'm trying to actually craft this in a very specific way, right? Or you could also look at it as my niece was the guide because she was the one that asked the question that it had me thinking, right, about this. But in the hero's journey, the guide is a person that has actually been there before, right? So there's this life is messy. Life is not as structured as and as formulaic as these storytelling formulas that have come out. But what is consistent in storytelling, and that's why I try to teach it in this way, 
It's about a very specific moment in time and the lesson that you learned in that moment in time. Mm -hmm. Stories are not just told for the sake of telling a story. There's always a lesson. There's always a point, right? And to me, the, if you look at those two things, a moment in time, and then the lesson that you learned, what did you take away from that moment in time? When our parents have told us stories, so, so I happen to be an immigrant. Um, well, my parents are immigrants, sorry. I'm, I'm first-generation American. My parents are immigrants. They came from the country of Haiti. When they told stories of how they came from Haiti, they didn't just say we came from Haiti because we heard America was great. They came from Haiti to give us a better life. Like there's a, this lesson. And then the journey that they've taken on that lesson, the journey that they've taken taught them other things as part of trying to give us a better life. Mm. And so specific moment in time, the lesson you learn from that moment in time, if you want to call that a structure or a formula, go for it. But the hero's journey to me, while it's useful, I just don't think it is the only, like, this is the way to tell a story. Yeah. So let's expand on this. And I'm really curious to get your opinion on this because this stuck out to me as one of my biggest takeaways in, in going through your work. You talk about this concept of building a story bank, which which I've heard about, you know, the, the idea of like, you're constantly kind of collecting and actively looking for ways to identify but this hit me really differently. And I don't know what it was you said, or maybe it's just like, I needed to hear it at this phase of my life right now. But um, I, I feel like I bring him up, him up on every single episode. I think, uh, so I, I, a good friend of mine is Dr. Benjamin Hardy. He wrote the book, 10X is Easier Than 2X, the newest one. He wrote Who Not How with Dan Sullivan. Um, and his new book coming out, I'm a part of his challenge. And one of the things that I think was super, super powerful about it is uh, the fact that your past and your future are drafts. They're constant drafts. And you always have an opportunity to go back at an experience and rewrite the story of what it meant for you. And it's really interesting when I heard you talk about story banks, the thing that stood out to me was that you're just collecting specific moments in time, but you may not have the lesson that's assigned in that immediate moment when it's happening. And I don't know if I, if I felt inauthentic or, or or what it was, but it's like when it, when I told a story and there was like a takeaway, it's like, oh, that wasn't what happened. But then, you know, kind of this connection I made recently, it's like, no, it's like, it's what I make of it now. Right. And like, you can extract different takeaways, different experiences from a moment in time. So kind of a complex way of setting this up. I would love for you to maybe talk a little bit about how people could go about collecting stories, but then also the intentionality and then how you think about assigning a meaning to a story and how it evolves over time? I love this question because it's going to take us through a masterclass of this specific piece lesson, right? Who's your favorite uh, athlete out of curiosity? <laughs> uh, I'm a bad person to ask that because I don't have, I don't really, sports isn't really my, my What's thing. thing. So what's your thing? Uh, probably entrepreneurship. <laughs> you know, okay, like, so who's your favorite entrepreneur? Like, like, let's go with modern times, not of all time, but modern yeah, time. I'd say, I feel like it's cliche to say it, but uh, Tim Ferriss has been a huge inspiration for me and my journey. So I'll go with that. Why is that? Like, well, tell me a little bit about Tim Ferriss. You know, we, we, this has been a journey for me over this past year, but like, and, and I, what I love about your work too, is the importance of core values. And so for me, like what I realized is that all of my other strengths stem from curiosity. 
it's like, so childlike curiosity is my primary core value. And so it's interesting as I, I I'm almost considering, I was just talking about a friend like this last night. I'm almost considering creating a, a podcast or like a something about like how to leverage a podcast to find your life's purpose. Because it's like, I think that you're, if you have a podcast and you're constantly interviewing people, there's people that you resonate with that you, that you, and the same is true with the people that you follow, the books that you listen to. They're all, they're all hints, right? So for me, Tim Ferriss was like the, just the epitome of curiosity, right? Like the dude's doing crazy shit, learning from crazy people, having ridiculous conversations and wondering, oh, what if I kind of created a, what if I became a world-class tango dancer in three weeks, right? Like, you know, you know, why the fuck not? Like, let me just give it a shot, right? And so I think that's probably wise because I think Tim is probably one of the most curious humans that's got a big voice. And I think that he's got a very playful and empowering way of approaching the world because of that curiosity. How long have you been following Tim out of curiosity? Um, 2015, I'm going to say 2014, 2015. So about eight years, right? He has evolved over time. Mm -hmm. Life is a constant evolution and the people we follow are constant evolutions. And so there are these moments in time that happen that we think has one meaning until we figure out almost a decade later it might have a different one. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned how like, um, because of your curiosity, like Carol, you're, there are just so many things that are, you're hearing and the, the input of what you're hearing, right? So you're reading books, you're listening to podcasts, you're watching videos. And certain things don't click until, like you mentioned, hearing it in a different way. You had heard StoryBank before, but because I shared it in a different way and shared how I might have uh, these specific stories, but then lessons are different over time. The story of my father, um, losing my father, has shifted over time. Mm. It was and still is a part of my why story. It is the day that I figured out my purpose. But even as recent as 2022, I finished one of, uh, one of the biggest projects I've ever done, but also one of my best projects I've ever done. And it's a video production project. It's a docu-series of a client, uh, Luann Nigera. And throughout the entire docu-series, now I have a team. They're working with me, but throughout the whole production of this, I am battling depression. Mm. In 2020, I woke up um, very early one morning and I was completely paralyzed. My teeth were clenched, heart racing, could not move. Eyes open, but could not move, could not get out of bed. And this stayed like this for two hours. Afterward, Two hours later, I'm able to move and I call my therapist because I understand this is completely mental. And it's eventually get diagnosed with burnout, depression, and anxiety. Now, this carries over. I, I get out of burnout in 2022, but what carries over is the depression. And I didn't know it carried over until our very first shoot with Luann Niger. It's in Orlando, Florida. I live in South Florida, which is about three hours away from Orlando, Florida. And I'm on the plane going back home from Orlando. We have the first shoot. Everything goes well, but I'm on the plane coming back from, from Orlando. It's a one-hour plane ride, and I cry the entire time. 
this is my body releasing all of the stress and all of the anxiety coming from this moment, this event. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned already, I've gone the whole year I went through battling depression, but it is my most successful project. Not just because I believe that the client is also really happy with it and in love with it. A big reason for that is leadership. A big reason for that is understanding my purpose, right? And so like it continues to ingrain in the lesson really for me at that moment became, yes, it's about leading through difficult moments and it's about it's about um, uh, empowering entrepreneurs to have relentless courage. But I think there's this sixth gear that I've never really understood I had that what leadership really is, it's a superpower. And it, I didn't understand that until I listened to an interview with Mark Lorre. Mark Lorre is uh, the entrepreneur who created diapers.com and jet.com, multi-billionaire. And he got asked a question of like, how does he just keep going? Because he he mentioned he had, uh, after he sold diapers.com, he actually went through about a depression. He sold it for, I think, 550 million, but also depressed at the same time. And... They ask him, well, how do you continue? How do you keep doing these things? And he's like, there's just sixth gear that it's either billions or body bags for me. Hmm. But that sixth gear is his superpower. It's the thing that no matter, like you get down to your very end and you think you can't continue and the sixth gear continue, the sixth gear kicks in. For me, I would have never understood that had I not listened to that podcast with Mark Lowry, happened to be a fan of Mark Lowry and have followed his journey and that's why I asked you, like, who is, who's your favorite? I initially asked you who's your favorite athlete, and then we went the route of Tim Ferriss because the people that you follow also help you shape the lessons that you learn in life, which evolve and change over time. And so that's why I think I went that long roundabout way because that's why I think lessons change over time. The way you share the story may change. Moments, these moments in time happen, but they help illustrate a point, and that point may change. I've shared the story so this moment that happened with Luann Nigera and uh, she released the docuseries. She had a virtual after party. I share the same exact story of my dad passing away, the Spokane, Washington story. But I ended with talking about my gift and my calling and sharing that I suffered through depression the whole because I wanted someone to understand why it's so important to just keep going. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you may think you can't get through, but you can because you have something else driving you. Again, the lesson changes. The story is still the story is still the same story I shared with you. The only thing that that changed was the lesson. I didn't share necessarily that my I didn't share my purpose. Like I learned that it's to lead and empower entrepreneurs to have relentless courage. Instead, I talked about keep going. Hmm. That yes, I know my purpose, and it came from that day. But you got to keep going. Understand when you understand your purpose, you've taken the time to really understand it. That's what helps you to keep going, right? Hmm. And so, I have the story bank, and I just want to wrap up the point. I have the story bank journal. There are only three things I write down in the story bank journal. It is the headline, so it's a title, just so I could remember what the story could be someday. Just a recall, right? This is a title. I give it a hypothetical title. Like one of the stories is like, I have a story called uh, Uber driver by day, musician by night. It's just a story about Uber driver taking me to the airport and she played me her music. It actually ended up not working in the beginning, but ended up working. And then the lesson that I originally wrote was, uh, I think it was be prepared for every moment or something like that. I don't know if that is the lesson that I will end up teaching, 
but I just write up. So I write down the headline. I write down a story, just uh, bullet points, not even like the whole entire story, just specific things so I could remember. And then the lesson that came that I think could happen. Now I'll write out, be prepared for every moment, or I'm trying to think of a lesson now that I'm, I might write out two or three lessons like, oh, this could go this route. Right. Like I have a story about me going cycling and it was really windy this day. Um, and I was just trying to cycle on the lower gear. I ended up cycling on a higher gear and realized I got home faster. And so sometimes it takes kicking it up a notch to actually get home faster or kicking it up a notch to get through even when the wind is hard, even when th obstacles are coming your way. Again, there are multiple lessons that you can learn from different stories. I just think that we as people evolve over time and the lessons change over time. Um, and so that's why I believe like the story may always be the same, but the lesson changes. I love that so much. Um, a few things I'll just yes and that from an, from an improv perspective. It's really interesting because I, I, this is tickling a conversation I had with another, do you know Michael Roderick? I, I, I don't know if you, you know Michael. I do but, know Michael Roderick, yeah. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure I had this conversation with Michael at some point, but it, it was essentially like, when you assign a new meaning to a story, it's funny because the way our brain works is you never actually remember. Hold on, let me start over. You remember your last recollection of the memory. You never remember like how it actually happened. So it's like your brain is constantly your like reality is literally you're remembering the last recollection of the memory. And so if you're adding new meaning to that last recollection, it's still authentically true as to what it is. Cause that's like, literally you can't just dispute that. So anyways, that's just kind of what was coming up as you were sharing that. And I think it's super Brandon, powerful. Really quick. The most important story you ever tell is a story you tell yourself. Mm -hmm. I woke up one morning to the sounds of chains hitting the floor. And it had always been a nightmare that I would hear these chains hitting the floor. I jump up out of bed. I look out the front window and what it was, was a tow truck driver coming to repossess my car for the second time in eight months. I go back in the room, I sit on the edge of the bed, and I am, I have my hand in my head just sitting in a soup of anxiety, because at this point, it's 2011, I've been in business five years, and I'm still struggling to make $20,000 a year. Can't keep up with bills. And in that moment that I'm sitting on this bed, I get a phone call from a client I had been working with at that point for a year. Her name is Keisha Dior. Keisha, I started working with her uh, because she was building a cosmetic company from the ground up and I was filming the documentary for that. So after a year, she launched the documentary and launched the company. And she calls me in excitement and she's like, Jude, Jude, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. And I'm like, what happened, Keisha? And she's like, I just got off the phone with my accountant and he's told me we made a million dollars. We crossed over the seven figure mark. Now, for context, Brandon, I only got paid $3,000 to do that specific project. <laughs> and Keisha had made $1 million from the project. My car has just gotten repossessed. I can't keep up with bills. I'm struggling to make money. But in that moment, I was thinking of giving up, and I got that phone call. And I could have looked at that two different ways. I could have been really bitter in saying, like, how is it that she's making a million dollars? I'm making 3000 Clearly, I don't know what I'm doing. Let me give this thing up. Or I could look at it, here's proof 
that I have created value for a client. I've made some mistakes before, but here's proof, here's evidence. Let me figure out why that worked. I decided to take the second route and literally learned, I had to go back and learn sales and marketing. Like my very first course was a course uh, from Ramit Sethi called Earn 1K. And the premise was <laughs> you earn your first $1,000 and then you repeat it. Now, of course, by that point, I had to earn $1,000, but I didn't earn it the right way. I hadn't understood sales and marketing. And that's what Ramit had teached through this class. And so I bring that story up because that's the example, perfect example of a moment in time happening to you that you can choose to look at two different ways, right? Really short story that I, another one that I'll share is not my story, but a story that I've heard recently. Um, twin brothers who uh, grew up with a drunk, abusive father. 20 years after they're, you know, they're older, one brother becomes a drunk and and he has squandered his life away. The other brother becomes a really successful entrepreneur. And someone asks the first brother who becomes a drunk, how did you end up this way? And he says, I watched my father. He asks, you asked a successful entrepreneur twin, how did you end up this way? He says, I watched my father. Hmm. Perspective is so incredibly important. There's a story, there's a moment in time that's happening, which depending on where you are in life, you can choose to look at that story in a different way. And again, I think that's that's like these two stories that I just shared are illustrations of what you're talking about. Like it changes over time. It's like, depending on what meaning you decide to put on it, it's still the same story. <laughs> it's just, you decide to look at it through a different lens. And I think that's that's just, again, that's why I believe like lessons change. The story is always going to remain the same, but lessons change. Yeah, it's literally so beautiful and resonates with me 9 million percent. And I think I should, I don't know if this was before we started recording or during the recording, but I, I share with you, it's like another core value of mine is conscious storytelling, right? It's like taking the opportunity to write the story in a way that serves you and it's constantly evolving and growing. And there's another there's another variation. So some of you, you listening right now, you're going to hear three variations of the same story. But my favorite one of this is like, there was these little girls that walked into a room and there was a massive pile of poop, just ridiculous, like filled to the top, like just ridiculous poop. And, and one girl just freaks out and is like, why? Like, so, so pissed off. There's this massive pile of poop. And the other girl just starts digging through the pile. And then, and she just exclaims, there's got, there's so much shit here. There's gotta be a pony somewhere. Right. So it's like, there's always two different ways that you can look at it. And I think it's a constant evolution and a constant refinement of finding that way of telling the story that is most empowering for you. And I think that, you know, if you want to start applying this, I think that story bank that you talked about is a great way of doing that. And if you want to get super nerd, um, and I set this up and I admittedly haven't been using it, you can use an app called Ift. I-F-T-T-T, if this, then that, and you can create a shortcut. So I've done this, so I've created a shortcut where you press a button and then you just type it up and then it sends it to a Trello board. So then you can literally just kind of like organize your stories all over the place. So I have it set up, admittedly haven't been using it as much as I should be, but um, yeah, I think that that's a huge takeaway and way that anybody can begin to start doing this is like just becoming conscious of the moments. And I think it also forces presence, right? Which is like, you know, you look at like all the, one of the questions I ask at the end of every show is what does happiness mean to you today? And like almost all the guests, like some variation of like being present in the moment. And if you're constantly looking for those moments 
and you're writing it in the story bank, not only will it help you become a more effective storyteller, but you're literally as a forcing function, becoming a more present human being, <laughs> which is awesome. You know, and, and there's one more lesson out of this that I think you really have shown me today that I, I don't think I've ever really spoken about. There's one lesson that could have three different stories. Like we literally just went through that where we talked about the idea that the lesson can change. And we told three different stories of how the end, the perspective, the lesson changes, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's another reason to sit down and do your story bank journal because you, you may be getting ready to do a talk or coming on a podcast and you're thinking, what's the idea that I want to share? What's the main thing I want people to leave away with? Okay, next layer of that is what's the story that helps get people to that point, that helps them understand this main point? Now, what I love about the three stories we just shared, one of them for me was a dramatic moment, a low moment. I lost my car. The car got repossessed. So there's a bit of sadness and, and, and there's that emotion there. Then there's mm. the uh, drunk father, abusive father. I'm not sure what emotion we label that, but let's just say it's, it's, it's um, anger for some reason, right? But then you shared a funny story. And it, is, it, it matters what emotion you want to leave it. So you want to think mm -hmm. about the idea. You want to think about the story, but then what's the emotion you want to leave them with, right? Now, I happen to be a very deep person, so a lot of my stories happen to be just very, I want you to think really deeply about this because I just happen to believe people don't think deep enough sometimes. But you're also, you have a different personality where majority of your stories are more funny stories, and that's okay. The point that I'm making is that these there are the same way that there are different lessons to one story, there are different stories to one lesson. <clears throat> but what matters is that you take the time, like Brandon mentioned, you take the time to actually be intentional about this. And you realize when you do, it just changes. It doesn't just change the game. It changes how you live your life and how you impact others as well. Whether it's through your business, whether you're a teacher, like Mrs. Donnelly was a teacher for me, or just an everyday human being, it changes how you live your life and how you show up. Oh my God, this is so good. Um, Jude, I have like 20 pages of notes from your book and we've hit like two points. <laughs> like, like, so so we, we have uh, a lot more conversation to be had, but I, I think I'd rather go deep on the few things that we've talked about rather than introduce new concepts. So th there's, there's one more component, one more layer I'd like to add to this. And then maybe we could start wrapping up or put a dot, dot, dot for a part two, because there's just so much more here. But like... One of the things that I loved so much going through your work and listening to other podcasts that you've done, which by the way, if anybody wants to get a copy of the of Jude's book, it's called Dramatic Demonstration, How to Attract Premium Clients and Scare Your Business with Visual Storytelling. You, you've heard some of the stories and then you can kind of see some of the magic behind it um, if you want to get a deep dive. So I'm taking a derail here before I go back to my other thought. Uh, Jude does this really cool thing where you can get the first three chapters for free on Spotify. And if you want to watch a master at his craft, literally creating an experience with the story. Like he literally layers in podcast interviews with like the actual reading of the book, but the, the, the audio book and the book itself is inception. As I was saying to Jude, because it's like, it's dramatic demonstration 
dramatically demonstrated. Whoa, that was cool. Uh, but yeah, so, so, so anyone can go check out that. We'll have it linked up in the show notes if, if, if you want to do a deeper dive. But uh, the reason why I was going there is because in the interviews that I listened as a part of that audiobook and then also other podcasts you've been on, you do this thing. And I would, I would assume it's also in your client work. It's probably, probably pretty much everywhere you show up. You just are really good at digging deeper to find that level of specificity. Cause I listened to you coach a few people and it's like, most people tell like the 30,000 foot story and there's literally, it's just like a statement. There's like nothing there. And then you're like, no, 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 hold on. Like, what is it? And like there, there's a, it's interesting. Cause I feel like there's an art to doing this with other people, but also with yourself. Right. Because it's, I'm going to use the term loving bitch slap, right? Because it's like, it's like, you're not going deep enough, right? Like I'm going to challenge you to go deeper. There's something here. So I, I'm just curious as somebody that's a master at this, because I've observed you do it. Like, I think it's easier to do for other people. And then maybe if you can share about how you do it for yourself, because I think you probably, you said you're a deep person. I would love for you to maybe share how people can go deeper in their conversations with themselves and in the conversations that they're, they're hearing other people share as well, because I think it just adds a whole new flavor to life. As we're recording this, it is 2023. There is a ton of noise out there. There's a ton of distractions. And in order to go deep enough with yourself, you have to know what you think. Okay, what does that mean? That means that you need to take time away from the world. Every year, I take two months off from my work, a video production company that I've been running the last 17 years. I take two months off. Um, I happen to be an introvert and I need that time off. But what I had noticed by taking that time off is one, so I used to do this November, December. Now I do it June and December. But let's take the time that I did it in November, December. It would take me a full month before I felt like I had officially decompressed from noise, from life, from stress. And then in that, so that's November, but then the next month, December, I do this assessment every year where I ask myself questions of like, what went well this year? And I do it in three categories. So uh, business, personal, and then a deeper, just personal, like, are you who you want to be in life right now? Personal type of thing. And I realized every time that I, so I've been doing this since 2013, it's been a decade now. And I realized like every time that I do it, one, I get to go back and look at that. So that's, that's one thing, but two, it's like I'm able to be real with myself because I can hear what I think, not what other people think. And I think it's incredibly important like to truly, during this time, I am not on social media. I'm not responding to emails. I'm not taking any phone calls. I don't spend time with family. I am just with myself. And that is hard to do. I'm not going to make it seem like it's easy. And you don't have to take two months. I happen to want to take two months and need two months. But I think that is where you start with going deeper with yourself is truly just being with yourself. It's hard for people to do, especially now where we are so connected and have so many distractions. Like someone listening to me right now has gotten a pit in their stomach at the thought of even take of taking time only to themselves, right? But that's how I do it is I just take time off. The other thing too, just in a really practical way is I do see a therapist regularly because I've realized over time, especially I'd say about 29, 29, 30 is when I started to like see a therapist and, and realizing like, 
no, there's some things I also need to unpack that I just, I'm not skilled enough to unpack. I don't know the questions. I don't always know the questions to ask. I read a lot of books and I, you know, watch a lot of things, but I think there's, it's also a specialist that this is the person that does what they do and allowing me to unpack. We started this by talking about voice. And um, I didn't always realize how much that affected me, not having a voice as a kid or not feeling accepted or not feeling like um, I mattered and how that affected other relationships. So again, two, two practical, very real ways for me is taking time off to myself and then seeing a therapist regularly um, so that I can unpack all of this. But that's what helps me go deeper. I'm going to, I'm going to keep going with our theme of like sharing the same insight from, from a 3d multiple perspectives. Cause like, I'll, I'll just share how I translated that in my head because I believe that you have to go deep with yourself before you can go deep with others. You can't see depth in other people if you don't see depth in yourself first. So that was like the first thing that I thought I was like, that's how Jude goes so deep in all of his stories with all of his clients and can handle that for five months at a time. It's because you take a month to reset and look at the uncomfortable things inside yourself, look at the questions. So that, and then, and then there's three quotes. It's, it's built up over time. They've kind of layered on each other, but there's three quotes that I share all the time and they come up everywhere and it's because I'm looking for them and I know it, but they're so important to me. But one of them is by Carl Jung until you make the unconscious conscious, it will control your life and you will call it fate. And like, that's why you're seeing a therapist. That's why you're seeing all these other people is because they're showing you those things that you can't even see yourself. And they're providing you new, new tools to ask that. The next quote is by Michelangelo. I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. And like, that's part of what you're doing. And it's part of what we're all doing. And it's part of what we're helping everyone else do is that you're carving away things that don't belong. That like growth is about subtraction, not addition. And then the last one is you can't read the label from inside the jar. And we all need this like human perspective of like, and that's what you do with your stories is you help other people see the label that they can't even see themselves and the depth of your work and helping people to uncover their why and their core values. And then demonstrating that through story is um, really powerful. So anyways, there's my translation to what you said. And uh, we're like, yeah, this is, this has been such a good conversation. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. And, and it's, you said something that I do want to touch on that is incredibly important through this time that you take to yourself. If you decide to take it to yourself, uh, if you decide to take that time off for yourself, core values are so incredibly important, personal and business. And sometimes they intertwine, but they're so incredibly important because I strongly believe when you understand your core values, you show up differently and your core values never change. So Keisha Dior, let's take her for example. She started as a cosmetic business. She has now gone into two other businesses, um, but people follow her and they have were first introduced through this documentary, which turned into a documentary series that we had done together. And the reason people followed her though is because I didn't focus on just that moment in time, which was her building the company. I focused on who she was as a human being. Mm -hmm. And because I focused on who she was as a human being and showed who she was as a human being, people were willing to follow her to separate companies that she had created that had nothing to do with cosmetics. Like one of the companies was a fitness company, right? So it's so important to take the time to like focus on your core values, who you are, because it doesn't change. It is you. It is your brand. It is you being a human, a human being. And so that's important. Take the time to do that. 
Yes, you're right. I have to do that with my clients through a road mapping session where it's, I'm, I call it dramatic clarity. So I'm getting really clear about who they are, their core values, their core stories. When you get clear, clear about your core values, attach stories to the values because the value is just a word. Yeah. But the story is what brings it meaning. And so we walk through that and that's why I call it dramatic clarity, but it's a very deep dive. But again, it's important that it, that you go through your core values and then apply stories to it because that's what brings meaning. And even when you share your core value with someone, now they understand it in a different way. The very yeah. simplest way that I describe that is always integrity. Integrity to one person, integrity to another means two different things. But the story is what attaches the meaning. Clients will sometimes say that their business core value is integrity. And I will say, well, tell me about a moment in time you had to lose out on $20,000 for doing the right thing because that's how I view integrity. Again, just bring meaning to it. Um, to me, that's what storytelling has always been. You bring meaning, you make meaning of. And when you make meaning of, whether it's through the lesson or through the moment in time or through your core values, you make meaning of all these things so that other people will understand who you are, what you're about, and whether or not they want to trust you yeah. to continue the friendship, continue business. Storytelling is at the heart of all of it. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And another one of my massive takeaways from your work and even you just bringing that up, it's like dramatic demonstration is all about show, don't tell, right? So you can say your core values, but can you demonstrate them? Can you show them? And that's your work is like helping people to see that. But also it's the work that everyone has to do on themselves too. It's like, how can I be in alignment with and demonstrate that I do live these core values out? And so I think that 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 is huge um, and would encourage anyone to think about if you have your core values, if you have your purpose defined, which are big questions, right? But like, if you do, how do you take that to the next level and tell a story about them that shows not tells that those core values are are present? So that is some work for me. And Jude, we could probably talk for forever. I know you had a little bit of a buffer today and I have I have another call in like 10 minutes here. So let's let's start wrapping up. I would love to get your, your uh, response to the question that I kind of told you about before, but I would love to hear what your current definition of what happiness means to you today, Jude? Living life on purpose. It is, uh, I understand my life's mission. I understand my life's mission and it is important for me to continue to show up living that life's mission, which is to live it on purpose, to lead and empower entrepreneurs to have relentless, unwavering courage. So yeah, that's, that's happiness to me. That's beautiful. We'll not add anything to that besides where can people find out all the incredible stuff that you're up to? We've already talked about dramatic demonstration. You can go check out the uh, the Spotify version and listen to the first three chapters. You can we'll link up the show notes where you can find it. But maybe just share someone right now if they're they're chopping at the bit to go find out more. Where do they go? <laughs> Jude JudeCharles.co is my website that also has links to the book. It also has the dramatic leverage newsletter where I go really deep into these same conversations, mindset, self, mindset, self-leadership, storytelling, judecharles.co, the one location for everything. Beautiful. I just want to really quickly have a conversation with you listening right now. And I just want to say you took the time to go really deep today. Like if you're still hanging out with us, right? Like you, you went deep. And for that, I'm super grateful. So whether this is your very first time listening to an episode or you're a seasoned listener, I just want to tell you how grateful I am for you. And I have 1 million percent confidence that there is something in here that can change someone's life. My life has been changed by podcasts. That's why I'm so passionate about it. But 
you know, maybe it was something cute, like Jews, Jew talking about the police life of Jude Charles that would just bring a smile to someone's day. Maybe, maybe it's inspiring someone to be like Mrs. Donnelly to hand, hand a yellow folder with business cards that could change someone. Or maybe it was the concept of reassigning meaning to stories and like creating a story bank so that you can consciously be more present in your life, but also leverage that to demonstrate your core values and your purpose, right? Like these are all game-changing concepts. So it would make my day, it would make Jude's day if you just took a second to share this with someone that you love, because you never know the difference that I can make. But whether or not you choose to do that or not, I so appreciate you for being here. And Jude, any final things you want to say before we head off today? Don't be afraid to share your story and be vulnerable. There is power, there is strength and vulnerability. So get out there and share your stories.